0: Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Thursday, July 2nd. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Video games might cost $10 more in the next console generation. Amazon is making a Fallout show with the creators of Westworld. And I played a bunch of Mortal Shell, a Dark Souls-inspired game that is releasing later this year. there is a good chance Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 games may be more expensive. The price of new AAA video games has remained remarkably consistent over the course of the last two generations. During the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and GameCube era, new games were usually about $50 dollars, And then that price jumped to $60 for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 generation. And it has basically remained that way for about the last 15 years. There are obvious exceptions all over the place, especially when you factor in digital games and collector's editions. But generally speaking, if you want to play that big new game the day it comes out, $60 has been the expectation. It looks like the next generation might see a $10 jump. $70, To $70, though, if the price of the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X versions of NBA 2K21 are any indication. Christopher Dring reported on the potential new price for gamesindustry.biz and wrote, NBA 2K21 will have a recommended price of $69.99 or £64.99 when it launches on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X this year. That's $10 more than the PS4 and Xbox One version, which has a recommended price of $59.99 or £59.99. It's the first hint that the next generation may lead to higher software prices as development costs are expected to increase with the new machines. The Xbox One and PS4 versions are due out on September 4th, with the PS5 and Xbox Series X editions set to launch alongside the new machines later this year. 2K says the more expensive versions have been built from the ground up for next-generation consoles. That's from gamesindustry.biz, and the story is linked in the show notes. I don't want video games to get more expensive. It's already an expensive hobby, but a jump like this is inevitable. The fact that video games have been able to maintain a $60 price for as long as they have is impressive. Matt Piscatella, a video game analyst for NPD, shared his own thoughts about the price jump on Twitter, writing, $59.99 in 2005 equates to somewhere around $79 today, so it is the time where a price bump is not unreasonable. Price sensitivity in the launch window of big games is low, and focus on digital distribution allows for great flexibility in pricing, both promotional and otherwise. I don't think this will be the case, sadly, but... I would gladly pay more for a video game if there was a promise that elements like microtransactions or loot boxes would be stripped from the experience. I would happily pay more for a version of Overwatch that just axed loot boxes entirely, for example. That won't be the case moving forward into the next generation, unfortunately. I think the status quo will move forward loot boxes and microtransactions galore, and that price will jump up 10 bucks. It's a bummer, but it's the cost of progress, I guess, unfortunately. Amazon is making a Fallout TV show with the creators of Westworld. Yesterday, I talked about the unrelease of Amazon's first big game, Crucible, and how it is going back into beta after having released, which is kind of unprecedented in not necessarily a good way. Needless to say... Amazon's video game experimentation has been underwhelming so far, but today it announced something interesting related to video games in the form of a TV show based on the Fallout franchise. The announcement came in the form of a tweet from the official Fallout Twitter account that just read hashtag standby at Amazon Studios, hashtag kilterfilms. And with that came a little video that showed the Amazon original logo, a Kilter Films logo, the Bethesda Game Studios logo, and the familiar Please Stand By Fallout test pattern. Deadline's Nelly Andriva and Denise Petsky had a few more details, though, and wrote, Following months of deal-making, Amazon Studios has licensed the rights to the games for Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy to develop a TV adaptation, which has received a series commitment This marks the first major project to come out of Westworld creators slash executive producers' big overall deal with Amazon Studios. The duo's Kilter Films is producing Fallout alongside Bethesda Game Studios and Bethesda Softworks. The Deadline story also has a quote from Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy that reads, Fallout is one of the greatest game series of all time. Each chapter of this insanely imaginative story has cost us countless hours we could have spent with family and friends, so we're incredibly excited to partner with Todd Howard and the rest of the brilliant lunatics at Bethesda to bring this massive, subversive, and darkly funny universe to life with Amazon Studios. The deadline story and teaser tweet are linked in the show notes. This is pretty exciting. I haven't liked any season of Westworld as much as I liked the first one, But I still have a lot of confidence in Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. Jonathan Nolan is Christopher Nolan's brother. After all, they're a very talented family. I don't think that they're directly writing and producing the show, but it's their company. So, you know, they will be involved, it seems. The Fallout world has a lot of room to tell stories, but I am curious how they will implement, you know, the bugs into the show. Will an actor just inexplicably fall through the floor in the middle of a scene? Will the third episode stop halfway through and the season will start airing from episode one again to simulate lost progress? Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy like to tell twisty, complicated stories, so I wouldn't put it past them to try something creative like that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? at bite.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Going to try something a little bit different here, new for Gaming Ride Home, but I had a chance to get some hands-on time with Mortal Shell recently, an upcoming game from developer Cold Symmetry. It's a game heavily inspired by Dark Souls and... It frankly doesn't pretend otherwise, while also impressively managing to be somehow creepier than Dark Souls. The preview build I played opened with a bleach-white creature creaking awake from some kind of slumber in shallow water. It's the kind of faceless creature you might see in an early Tool music video, or something that H.R. Giger dreamed up, and it's, it's very unsettling. Pretty quickly I learned about at least one mechanic that separates Mortal Shell from Dark Souls, and it's the way you block attacks. Instead of holding up a weapon, you have an ability on a cooldown that makes your body temporarily harden and turn to stone. It looks cool and it's rewarding to watch an enemy try and hit you only to see their sword bounce off your stone body. You can also counter enemies with a carefully timed button press, which if done correctly opens up a window for an instant kill It's not quite as satisfying here as it is in, say, Sekiro, but I was always proud of myself when I pulled it off. The way you inhabit your character in the video game RPG sense also works a little differently. You find shells, the soulless husks of presumably expired soldiers that you literally enter and control. The first one I found was your standard knight character that seemed pretty balanced. Later, however, I found a shell more focused on endurance who instead of rolling turned into a cloud of dust to get out of the way. That shell was definitely way more my speed, as I'm a big fan of running in for a hit and getting out of there, especially when it comes to games inspired by Dark Souls. Every shell, or at least the two I found, has a collection of abilities that can be purchased, essentially leveling them up. I wasn't able to make my health or attack power numbers bigger, but I was able to increase the likelihood that a successful counter would do poison damage, and stuff like that. I believe there are going to be four shells in the game, each essentially acting as a class. It also seems like your best bet will be to pick a shell and stick with it as switching requires you to go to specific locations around the world. You won't be traveling around with a collection of skin suits in your backpack and change them at will, depending on your situation. I imagine you will find all four pretty early. Stick with one you like but maybe change every now and then for a boss fight or something, if if the fight calls for it. One thing I think Mortal Shell improves upon compared to Dark Souls, and I, I know everything gets compared to Dark Souls all the time, often unfairly, but I promise the comparison is pertinent here. But often in Dark Souls, you have all these items, and even when you read the description, it's not totally clear what they do, and sometimes using the item reveals even less. So you end up relying on the hive mind of the internet to help you out, which I don't love. I don't like leaving a game and going to the internet to learn how to play it. Mortal Shell has similarly opaque items, but the more you use them, the more you learn about them. Their descriptions expand, and you can even get better at using them. I picked up a lute, you know, a guitar from a fallen enemy, for example, and played it, but I sounded awful, but I, I played it a few more times and it started sounding better, and I learned that I could use the loot to attract enemies. That same kind of knowledge expansion extends to things like mushrooms that you can pick up in the environment. The more you use them, the more you learn about them. It made me excited to try out items and experiment, as opposed to just hoarding everything and hoping I don't use something in a way I probably wasn't supposed to. In my hour or so of playtime, I was surprised I never found the equivalent of a bonfire or an Estus flask. I reached out to Cold Symmetry to make sure I hadn't missed something, but my assumption was correct. The character you speak to to improve your shells resets the world and your health when you chat, but in terms of health regeneration, you are fully reliant on just items that you find in the environment, which is a big change compared to other Dark Souls-inspired games. Overall, the game left... A positive first impression. There's no denying the Dark Souls inspiration, but it has some unique mechanics, and it is very, very creepy, especially in its opening moments. Mortal Shell is coming to Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Epic Games Store later this year, and it should be releasing on Steam sometime in 2021. Here's what released today. Biped, the co op puzzle platformer that looks like it could almost be a sequel to Astrobot Rescue Mission, is out today on Switch after having already been released for other platforms. Infliction is a game that released on Steam back in 2018 that currently sits at a very positive rating with 252 reviews, which is impressive. An extended cut version of the game is out on Switch today and it apparently tasks you to, quote, wander through the heartbreaking remnants of a once-happy family, piecing together clues and trying to atone for past sins, all the while a malevolent force dogs your footsteps, seeking violent retribution, according to the game's official description. It looks spooky. A demo released yesterday on Switch for a game called Neon Abyss. It's a roguelike platformer twin-stick shooter. It has a cyberpunk kind of look to it, which is all the rage right now, but apparently you're working for Hades. The full game releases on July 14th. There is a Final Fantasy XIV event going on right now where the game is mashing up with Dragon Quest, specifically Dragon Quest X. As a casual fan of both franchises, it's a weird thing to see, but it basically adds Dragon Quest stuff to Final Fantasy XIV, like those brick golems, a recurring enemy in Dragon Quest, as well as cosmetic items like that weird horned mask that muscly men always seem to be wearing in Dragon Quest. You can also get a slime hat to wear on your head. Apparently the event is going on until July 27th. Square Enix also confirmed that patch 5.3 for Final Fantasy XIV will be coming on August 11th. It's not a release today or even a release date, but I just think these kinds of news bits are interesting, but not quite so interesting that they deserve dedicated segments. But I got press releases touting some impressive numbers. Dead Cells, the roguelite platformer about a headless night, has surpassed 3 million copies sold, which is very, very impressive for an indie game like that. That game is a great example of an early access success story. I also got a press release that says Ninjala is already up to 2 million downloads, which is an impressive number worth bragging about. Embarrassingly, I still haven't played a match. I have it downloaded, and I downloaded it on my kids' Switch, so we could theoretically play together, but I haven't had the chance. Plus, Roblox has just taken over her life, so I don't know that we will be playing anything other than that together anytime soon. That's it for gaming news today. Yesterday, I claimed I didn't play any video games, and I realized that that was a lie. So I have a correction from myself. While I was listening back to the edited episode, I played Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and tried out Min Min. Whenever a new fighter comes out, I always run them through the classic mode to get a feel for them. Min Min is one of the more technical, unique Smash fighters, and as a result, I didn't love playing as her. But I could definitely see a high-level player really getting the hang of her and doing impressive things. I just happen to not be that person. I do really like when fighters feel a lot different from the rest of the roster though. I played as Terry from King of Fighters a bit yesterday too and I was more successful as him because he feels a little closer to your average Smash fighter, but given the choice, I think I would rather see more fighters like Min Min who represent their home game very well and also play a little differently. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, Feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send an email to kyle at ridehome.info. Let me know if you want to hear stuff like the segment I did on Mortal Shell earlier, a preview, basically. I haven't done a lot of that for Gaming Ride Home. Wanted to try it. Let me know what you think. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast, or if you listen to it, you can also check out my Twitch account kyle impersonator i'm playing through metroid other m right now i played mortal shell this morning for an hour so if you, if you want to see gameplay you can actually go find my twitch archive and you can go check that out you can also find me on the min show for more long form video game discussion i will talk to you more about video games tomorrow